Hi. Uh, I'm good. This is Shabula. Hey, you should give Kylie a round of applause. She's awesome. done a good job, huh? Playing oh, stop. Stop. Employ me. No, kidding. Ah. <laughs> uh, let's pray. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Shabu. We thank you for your word, that your word is true and that it is life transforming. Lord, we thank you that your word can pierce the hardest of hearts and we pray that as we look at this topic of sexuality and how your word and the gospel are all entwined together, that Lord, you'll be stirring our hearts right now, that Lord, any questions that we do have, that we'll be prompted to write them down as we explore who we are in you, Lord, and with the world so twisted and unsure of uh, sexuality and what that means, Lord, I pray that uh, we might have a heart of compassion towards people who are lost, who are seeking and searching in this, but, Lord, that ultimately we'll be able to point them to you. Will you give Shabu your very words to speak tonight? May they be words that will teach, equip, train, uh, but also encourage our hearts, Lord. And we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Kylie. Whoa. Uh, I think they're putting that on because of my skin, just putting it out there. Um, oh, thanks. That's <laughs> what happens when you make fun of the sound and lighting people. Uh, just bear with me while I just set this up. Hey, um, thanks for the opportunity to uh, speak about this particular topic. It's very close to my heart. Um, uh, mainly because it's something that I'm engaging with just with people that I know. Um, so if you have a Bible, if you could turn to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, you can press or slide there depending on how you're uh, into reading your Bible at the moment. Uh, if you're someone who's new to the Christian faith, exploring the Christian faith, uh, we at Canary Gardens in particular, uh, we love God's Word. We believe it's relevant for our lives today, including this particular topic that we're going to be exploring um, and so we're going to go to Romans chapter 1, and I'll turn to my notes, um, and we're going to be parking uh, in verses 24 to 27, okay? So 24 to 27. Um, so I've been given the task to talk about gospel and sexuality, uh, and the question was asked, um, asked to me to respond to this particular idea how the view of sexuality and the topic of sexuality in our culture is changing rapidly. Uh, I don't think that's anything new that's always been around. It's just that we're getting uh, to see it more often now in uh, particularly a media-saturated world. Uh, you would have seen a video I put up. Uh, it talked about a group called Salt and Pepper. They wrote a song in the 90s called Let's Talk About Sex. Let's talk about sex, baby. All the good things and the bad things. Let's talk about sex. If you are listening to that song currently, please come and talk to me. I would love to talk about the kind of music you're listening to. Um, that particular song came out in the 90s. The whole aim of that was to talk, you know, you can talk about it. But it actually really was a mini commentary about sexuality and it really shaped a lot of, I think now, in now day and age, particularly those of us who are millennial and younger, that really the way, a lot of that kind of song talks about this kind of stuff. But I'm not, this is not the sex talk. Uh, so if you're sitting here going, some of you are like, oh, good. Uh, some of you are like, oh, no. Um, Wherever you land on that, I'm just telling you, this is not a sex talk. What we're really talking about is a topic about sexuality in a broad sense, uh, but how the gospel of Jesus speaks to that. Um, so we're looking at Romans chapter 1, verses 24 to 27. Now, just to kind of catch us up to speed here, um, 
uh, to kind of set the scene for us. Uh, the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to a group of Christians, uh, and he's writing and he's specifically talking. Now, if you've never read Romans or listened to it, it's probably one of the most um, wonderful, glorious books to understand who God is, his relationship with mankind, the consequences of sin, and then also the hope in the gospel and the truths of the gospel. And it's one of those kind of, some people say, if you want to know the gospel, read Romans. Um, it's one of the best ways to dive into it. Now, Paul is writing to a group of uh, churches, uh, in, particularly in Rome. He's writing to a bunch of Christians. He's a leader. He's a pastor. He's a planter, church planter. Prior to where we're landing, he's been talking about uh, the, his love for them and his care for them. And then I think he really sets the scene for the whole book uh, in Romans 1, verses 16 to 17, where he says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. It makes it very clear, if you are a follower of Jesus, there is nothing you need to be ashamed of, particularly the good news of the gospel. You don't need to be ashamed about that. Not only that, it is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, that is not just news, but it is the power to convert the hearts of people. It's the power that converts the hearts of those first who are even the Jews and Gentiles. It's kind of saying it came through the Jews, the story of Jesus. Jesus himself was a Jew. And then it continues in that it continues to Gentiles. And even today, it continues around the world. You are an expression of that. At some point, the gospel, the good news of Jesus, those of us who know him, impacted your heart. And it's affecting us even today. And then before we jump into our verses, he's making a statement. And in that statement, he says that the gospel, the, the Christian message is not just about, it's nothing to do just about going to church and doing these things. It's actually much more deeper than that. It's a, it's a faith story. It's about faith. And then he paints this confronting picture in verses 18 to 23. What he does, and I think verse 21 really summarizes really well says, For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks to Him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. It's a picture of really worship, but worship in the wrong way. It's a picture of how uh, those who were created, created beings to be in relationship with the Creator God, has turned it around and started worshiping created things. And there's a response of God. And that response is what we read in verses 24 to 27. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Lord, I pray even now as we continue this time of worship that you would speak to us and speak to our hearts. For your glory. Amen. Can I ask someone to get me one of those bottles of waters? I bought a new drink bottle and it's terrible. I tried to take a sip out of it and it doesn't come out. So if someone could get me a drink bottle, that would be awesome. It's okay. Thanks, Seb. Thanks, Kathy. You're awesome. I'm going to be taking that back. Um, so uh, this evening I just want to look at two main things. One, talk about who is God. 
and how that actually shapes how we view sexuality. So who is God and how that shapes how we view sexuality. So who is God? Well, this passage talks about it. We need to understand that we serve a God, the God of the universe is the creator God. That he created human beings and the first humans to be under his loving authority and to love and serve him and he sent them out to represent him in this world. So God is the one who defines everything. He defined man, he defined woman, he created the seasons, created animals, all these things were created by God. He's the one who defines things. And you can pick up the story in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2. It talks about it. It's beautiful. There's this picture of God creating man and woman. And he's the one who defines sexuality. Then he's the one who also defines marriage between a man and a woman. It's a covenant language. He defines it all. The story of the Bible shows it very clearly. What happens is in Genesis 3, sin the enemy of God and an enemy of God's people comes in, tempts the first humans and tells a lie to them. Tells them that you can be like God. You can be your own authority. And then you can define everything. But what that does is it corrupts everything now, even today. That includes sexuality. And that's what we hear in Romans is this this picture that's given to us, how things that were uh, people who were created to worship the living God start exchanging things and start worshiping other things rather than God, rather than the Creator. It's a picture of a slippery slope. Many years ago, I had a very strong uh, smoking habit, and how it began for me was um, I had a, there was a girl in high school I wanted to impress, and she smoked. And I thought the best way to impress her is to show that I can smoke. So, you know, I would pretend I knew how to have a cigarette and I was terrible. But what happened was it started a pattern. It started off very casually, have a cigarette. And next thing you know, it leads to, I was a uh, social smoker that met at parties. Uh, and next thing you know, it became like a daily habit. I got addicted to the nicotine. It was a slippery slope. The picture that's here, that's painted for us, in Romans, it is a picture of a slippery. It's a confronting picture. It's deliberately meant to be confronting. This is what happens when human beings, creation, turns around to God and says, no, we do not want to be under your loving authority. And in verse 24, we have this truth statement. Therefore God gave them up to the lusts of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. This is not a picture of God saying, oh, look, go and sin. No, what he's saying is, in your hearts, you desire this more. So I'm going to give you over. It's actually a picture of judgment, I think. But God turns around and says, if you really want to go, I'm going to give you over to this. It's really a confronting picture of humans really saying, God, you don't know what you're doing. We want, we, we want this. We want to worship this more than we worship you. You need to remove God from his loving authority. It's humans saying, we know best. A few years ago, I was uh, at a party, and um, it was during my, uh, when I wasn't walking with the Lord. We all went out to have our cigarettes, and um, a friend of mine noticed someone lying on the floor, and we turned around. It was a mate of ours. He'd somehow knocked himself out cold, and he was lying right next to his car. 
So we all run up and we're all going, oh no, what's going on here? And we, we stand next to him and we're, we're not really sure what to do. And one friend runs in and next, you know, there's this guy coming and he's running. And I, I felt like it was in slow motion, probably wasn't. And you could feel like the superhero music in the background. That's what it felt like. And he comes up and he stands next to him and he looks at his watch and he's touching his, you know, right here on the neck to feel his pulse. And he's going like this. And in the corner of my eye, I noticed somebody else. Because right next to us was the fire brigade, right? There was this fire station there. And a fireman comes up and he comes up to us and goes, uh, are you guys okay? The guy who's got the watch feeling the pulse looks at the fireman and says, mate, I've got this. I'm a St. John's volunteer um, helper. And we had this moment of, uh, he's a fireman. <laughs> You're a volunteer helper. And I think for me, when I think about it, it's that confronting picture. We kind of talk to God in a way of, no, no, we've got this. We can do whatever we want. We don't need your help. See, there's a reason for all of this. But note what it says in verse 25. Verse 25, we have, Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. There's a reason. They're exchanging something. They're listening to a lie. And that truth, well, we talked about it in the, earlier on in Romans 1. It, it unpacks. It's the truth of the gospel. It's the truth of who God is as the creator God, the one who defines all things, the one who has all authority. And they're listening to a lie that we are our own. We can be our own creator. We can be our own God. And this is the fruit of it. Author C.S. Lewis put it this way. There's a quote up here on the screen. It says, It would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition, when infinite joy is offered us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it is meant by to offer, offer a holiday at the sea. We're far too easily pleased. It's this picture of exchanging for a lie. It's this idea that we turn around and we believe this lie and there's this slippery slope that happens. See, God has created us to be creatures of worship and to worship Him. But when we replace that, we end up worshipping other things than God. And we believe this lie and we believe it to the point where we say, well, who needs God? Who is God to define things for me, including sexuality? Now, modern day in term, it's almost like often you hear this topic of identity. What happens is labels and things becomes your definition. This is who I am. This is my identity. As to remembering who we are under a loving and gracious God who has all authority. What it does is it re reveals the deeper things that are going on in our hearts. As created beings, created to worship the Creator, what happens is we turn around and say, we are the ones who will define all things, including what we mean by sexuality. You see, when we take him out, our view of sexuality is skewed. It's rifled with sin. And that's the slippery slope that continues. If you pick it up in verse 26, for this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions for their women, exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. The men likewise gave up natural relations with women who were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men 
and receiving themselves the due penalty for their error. This is what happens. Things become skewed. You remove God and his loving authority and who he is as the created one who shapes everything, including our view of sexuality, and this is the slippery slope. We're going to have a quick ad break. Uh, This past week, uh, if you were listening to Triple J, you would have seen it on their show called Hack. Uh, For those of us who are much older, you would have seen it on a show uh, in the ABC, and this is a segment of it. Um, I don't know what happens in your heart and mind when you watch that. Uh, For those of us who are younger, some of us feel a little bit of anxious anxiety that goes on. For those of us who watch that kind of stuff, it frustrates us, uh, particularly for those of us who believe in uh, in Jesus. Um, But I don't know if you listen to her comments. Um, I don't know if you try to kind of dig a little bit deeper on what was going on and what Magda was saying. I don't personally know her. Uh, We know her through some of the shows that she's been involved in. Um, But here's the thing. Um, I think I'm realizing when I watch that kind of stuff, I just shake my head and I go, oh, she's ridiculous. I don't know what you do, but that's what I do. But I think I'm realizing more and more, if her frame of mind and her worldview is not shaped by with the knowledge that there is a creator God who shapes and defines sexuality... I don't actually expect her to think any other way. I don't know if you heard her. There's actually hurt underneath all of that. Here's a woman who her impression of God is through his particular church denomination. She felt like that church denomination should represent God, abandoned her, and she had to take care of her mother's funeral details. Now, her view of God began well before this debate about the marriage debate that's going on. And that has defined her. And I think what I'm realizing is, for most of our friends, when we think about sexuality, we don't understand and ask the question, who do they say God is? I think sometimes we need to get back to the basics of asking, just as Jesus did with his disciples. And there's this wonderful story in the Gospels where Jesus is asking the simple question, hey, who do people say that I am? And they all respond, you're this, you're a prophet who's come back and so on. And then he asks a personal question, who do you say that I am? And Peter responds that you are the Lord, the Messiah. I think sometimes we need to get back to the basics as we engage with our friends when we talk about sexuality. See, until they see the wonderful reality of a God who is a creator God who has shaped and formed all things, and he's the one who defines sexuality, until they see his holiness and his loving authority, you're going to be really struggling to show them why you believe what you believe. Because ultimately sexuality is not really defined by me, it's actually defined by God. God is the one who's done it. See, I think... In the midst of you being asked what your opinion is on sexuality, and you should share all those things, don't forget to ask a simple question. Hey, thanks for asking, but I've got to ask you one question. Who do you think God is? Just ask him that. Before you go into the yes and no arguments and all that kind of stuff, you should share your opinion. As Christians in this democratic world, we should share our opinion. But see, if they know that we believe in a God is the one who defines sexuality hopefully the conversation should change. Because it's not you or me. 
When we define it, it will be corrupted with sin. Now, when you face these kind of things, the idea is not to cause our hearts to um, all of a sudden become in despair. When you see these kinds of things on the news or hear about it, uh, remember you're here to represent Jesus in this time, in this season of life, in this history of Australia and Melbourne. And so when you see debates going on, sometimes I get quite overwhelmed and saddened when I see friends of mine who know Jesus and they don't represent him too well in the debates. I have friends of mine on social media, particularly because of my past life when I was in the clubbing scene, who are in uh, same-sex relationships even now. And I always am curious in conversations I have with them and even when they see me and the things that I post besides my coffee stuff about who God is, some of the interactions I have with them is quite interesting. But I also am saddened when I hear um, friends of mine who are followers of Jesus who compromise on the truth. Because no longer is God defining sexuality, uh, it's the world or what they feel. You might be feeling hopeless when you hear these kind of things, uh, but I think also we need to be careful, those of us who are followers of Jesus, not to become self-righteous. If you flip the page to Romans chapter 2, it says very clearly, Therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on one another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. At the heart of it, it's saying, you might not be out there practicing these things, but in the heart of it, there's, there's rebellion against God, that you've replaced the Creator God, and there's loving authority over your life, and you're worshipping everything else than God. There's no room for all of us who think that we're any better. If you know Jesus, you know better. It's, it's only the grace of God that enables you to stand before Him. It's only the grace of God, so there's no room to be jerks for Jesus. Then those of us who may feel in despair, the gospel is powerful. Oh my goodness, it's gloriously powerful. Remember what I read in Romans 1, 16 to 17, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is what? The power of God. For salvation to who? Everyone. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The gospel is powerful. The gospel is powerful to change hearts, even those who may disagree with you in your view of sexuality. I have seen that happen. I know it happens. Even here in Australia, in Melbourne. These verses are a reminder that the message of Jesus is exclusive, very clearly. It is yet so powerful, but we don't need to be embarrassed of this good news because it actually brings a greater, beautiful hope. And that's what we're called to represent. That's who we're called to represent. So that means this week, as you head to school, work, wherever God has you, and maybe you're in a relationship now with someone and someone's turning around to you and saying, hey, mate, why don't you, have you slept with your girlfriend yet or have you slept with your boyfriend yet? You can actually, rather than saying no because I'm a Christian, good point to make, but maybe start saying, hey, that's an interesting point of view. Can I just ask you, who do you think God is? Because see, God shapes your sexuality. God shapes how you date. Maybe you're in conversation in your uh, workplace, wherever it is, about the whole topic of same-sex marriage. Fine, have that conversation. Don't be ashamed. But also ask them, who do you say God is? And hear their view of God. And then there are those of you here 
Did you know that there is a God who has been pursuing you before you even knew, knew him? He's a God who's crying out to you, maybe even tonight, to respond to him that he is the creator God who created you to be in relationship with him. And the only way you can be in relationship with him is not by trying to be a better person or ticking on all the boxes, not even coming to a church service. You can only realize that there is a holy God who sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die for your sin and my sin. And he's the one who will define you and give you true identity. So that is you. Maybe talk to someone who brought you this evening or come and chat to us afterwards. And there are even in our day and age in the Christian church, for those of us who are struggling with same-sex attraction of any kind, can I encourage you, you are in a safe place. You are in a safe place. And you're wrestling with all that stuff. We want you to know we want to walk that journey with you. We want God to keep on defining that for you. And if that is you, please don't be afraid to talk about it. Come and chat to any of us pastors. We'd love to talk to you about that and journey with you. So gospel and sexuality, firstly, know who God is. He is the creator God who defines sexuality. Know who you are, that you are not God, that you're his representatives in this world, if you know him. And then let that shape your sexuality and everything around in this world. Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power of the gospel. I thank you for the promise of this truth that you can save. We pray for our friends who find this news hard. I pray that you'd help us to be gracious and help us in our conversations with those of uh, friends of ours who don't know you to constantly go back to the question, who do they say God is? Because that will define everything, Lord. Please let that truth define our own worldview, whether it's sexuality or other things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, there was questions. Is there questions? I don't know. Um, We're going to have a quick break. Yeah, and if there's any questions I don't want to answer, I'll I'll just give it to somebody else. (laughs) Yeah. As, um, as Cam's looking at these questions, I just um, feel like I should share a little, two stories for you just to kind of give you a bit of an example of um, how God's helping me do this, I guess. Um, just letting you know, this is the thing, right? When you're sharing these kind of stories, people kind of go, oh man, you must be amazing. You must be sharing this all the time. No. Uh, I still struggle about sharing the gospel often and you know, all the things you know, happen. Um, one story, quick story, is uh, a friend of mine, I'm not sure if this has been caught, so I'll just call him Dave. Uh, Dave um, and I were in the clubbing scene, um, fairly, uh, he was in a same-sex relationship, um, still is um, pretty prominent in uh, the Victorian scene. Um, and uh, when he found out that uh, I had become a church kid again, um, we had lunch um, and he I sat down with him and I said to him, hey, how's it going? You know, that awkward conversation. Hey, how are you? I'm good. And we just stare at each other and he goes, looks at me and goes, so? I said, yeah. So you've got to start going to church again. I'm like, because he knew about my backstory. And I said, oh, yeah, I have actually. Why? 
And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I shared some of the stories because he knew of it, about how God had brought me back and stuff. Because that means, you know, you, know, you do realize now that you have to hate me. Um, and I just looked at him and I went, what? And he goes, you have to hate me. And I said, where did this come from? So I think it had to be a God thing because I just turned around and said, can I ask you a question? Who do you say God is? What's your view about God? And he began this story about parents abandoning him and were meant to be faithful parents and Christian background in school and being abused, like all this stuff that I had to learn about his story. Now, before uh, we can, I mean, we're still talking on and off um, through the world of social media, but one of the things I'm learning is that he needs to keep on hearing about who God is before I even learning that, before I just jump into um, this. And I don't know, I I do believe in the power of the gospel, so I think he can change. Uh, I don't know what that's going to mean. The second thing was this past week, I got my hair cut at my local barber store, and uh, the lady cutting my hair turns around. It's always fun to do it in mid thing because they turn around and they go so what do you do and I say I'm a pastor oh uh, and uh, and then she just turned around to me and said so I guess you're pretty religious I said oh just on Sundays um, and <laughs> she, she just went oh what uh, and I said look I don't know what you mean by that tell, tell me who, what's your experience about who God is and then she went on this whole story about how you know she had um, parents who were church people and they split up and you know, that shapes her view of God um, so I'm just saying sometimes it can just it's just learning to ask casual questions I know sausage is cooking so it won't take too long uh, we might not answer all these questions um, uh, I don't know how many there are so we might just um, continue them on social media just to continue the dialogue going alright so uh, there was a couple of questions about this um, talking about how transgenderism is a more complicated issue. So what does, the, how, what does the Bible say about that? And yeah, how do we explain that uh, in regards to the Bible? Is that a separate issue or is that... Um, yeah? No, I don't think it's a separate issue. I think the Bible uh, does speak. There's no like verse in the Bible about this is a transgender verse. There are verses in the Old Testament about dressing and how you dress. Uh, there's all that kind of language. It doesn't um, change the fact so transgenderism and that label is a label. Um, and that's a label that's come out. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, I think I have opinions on when it's come out. But it's come out and it's, it's a label that people put in there. But the thing is we go back to the basics of who God is and how it defines sexuality, man and woman, right? That's what God says. And then that shapes everything else. So if people come in and say, look, you know, no, this is, what about this? Like, actually, you know, this is what God defines it as. Uh, this is my worldview, because God defines it. So that's where I'd go. Uh, so if Jesus hung out with the worst of people and accepted uh, everyone for sense who they were, does that not mean then we should accept people who, uh, who have either homosexual tendencies or are born thinking they're a different gender? Um, yeah, uh, I, I think, I think um, so just to make sure I heard you right, so, so one thing, yes, Jesus did hang out with broken people, um, uh, tax collectors, prostitutes, well, that's usually the language that people go down to. He said hang out with sinners, they talked about him being friends with sinners, all that kind of stuff. But Jesus did also say repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
Um, you can't untie that. So when hanging out with Jesus doesn't mean it's like, oh, it's all cool, you know. Like he does confront our deepest need, that sin that needs to be uh, dealt with, and then he deals with it. So hanging out in that sense is there, but that doesn't mean like in this day and age, if you're hanging out with friends of yours who know, who don't know Jesus and they are in same-sex relationships and so on, yeah, you should hang out with them. You should represent Jesus in that space. Um, it doesn't mean that you just sit there and go, oh, I'll just ignore it, just as you don't ignore other friends of yours who might be struggling with other things. It's not, this is just one little area, by the way. You just got to keep that in mind. But as you hang out with them, you're there to talk to them and reveal who God is. You start with who God is and then help them see that. I don't know if I answered that correctly, but it's very much <laughs> Um There was a few more questions, but I think probably because we've got sausages cooking and we want to watch Michaela's video. We'll probably finish there and then we'll, we'll answer the rest of the questions uh, on the Facebook page. So if you haven't liked the page, the CDC Young Adults page, then like it and then we'll post some of the uh, answers to the other questions. It might be better, yeah. I reckon, just put it on the event page. That we okay, set yep, up, true. Um, okay. that way. Yep. yep. We'll do it on the event page then. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, just let me pray for... Uh, dinner and then watch the video um, just that as you're hanging out with friends who don't know Jesus you've got to keep that in mind, they don't know Jesus they don't have that worldview or framework about who he is and what he's done um, so start there first so don't just go straight up to their lifestyle um, and as you're talking about them, the reality is the gospel can, uh, can be a sweet aroma but also can be a stench of death right, just that's just the reality. Like, our saviour was rejected. Most probably you could be rejected too for standing for him. So, yeah. Video now. Pray first. Okay, let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, thank you for your goodness and grace. I pray that you would help us to be bold servants of yours in this world. Uh, not to compromise on the truth, but be gracious as you are gracious with us every day. Um, and Lord, we pray for this food that we're about to eat. Um, we thank you for hands that have prepared it. And we also pray as we watch this video that our hearts will be stirred um, to join in your mission. In Jesus' name, amen.